Thank you very much, Rob, and good afternoon, everybody. Questions from all over northeastern and central Pennsylvania. Do I have a case? And the man with the answers for us is attorney Keith Figured. Keith, how are you today? I'm doing good, Frank. Hope you're doing well and hope you're also doing well, Rob. Yep, and the summer's going by quickly, so let's get to our questions. Who can file a claim for a wrongful death claim in Pennsylvania, and do I need to get an autopsy to file a claim? In Pennsylvania, a wrongful death claim arises when an individual's death is caused by negligent or reckless actions of another party. Um, it is typically brought by the surviving family members, such as the spouse, children, or parents of the deceased person. The right to bring a wrongful death claim generally lies with the personal representative of the deceased person's estate. To establish a wrongful death claim in Pennsylvania, certain elements need to be present. Uh, first is the duty of care. So you must dis demonstrate that the person or entity you are holding responsible had a duty of care toward the deceased. This could be a doctor, a driver, a property owner, or any other party with a legal obligation to ensure the safety and well-being of others. Next, you have to have a breach of that duty. So you need to establish that the responsible party breached their duty of care. This means they failed to fulfill their obligation or act negligently or recklessly. Um, next, you have to have causation. You must demonstrate a direct causal connection between the breach of duty and the death of the individual. This means showing that the action or negligence of the responsible party directly result in the person's death. This is where the certificate of death, which lists the cause of death, is crucial to your claim. In situations where the cause of death is not clear or you do not agree with what is listed on the certificate of death as cause as the cause of death, an autopsy, an autopsy will likely be necessary to proceed with the wrongful death claim. Um, death of an individual, as the name suggests, wrongful death claims can only be filed if someone has died as a result of the negligence or misconduct of another party. The death must be a direct consequence of the defendant's actions. And then, of course, the damages, you must show that the, the death has, uh, you must show that the death has caused financial, emotional, or other losses to the surviving family members or beneficiaries. These damages include medical expenses, funeral costs, lost income, loss of companionship, and pain and suffering. Now, as far as the autopsy questions, while an autopsy is not always necessary, it can provide valuable evidence to establish a cause of death and support a wrongful death claim. In cases of wrongful death, an autopsy serves multiple purposes. First, it helps establish the exact cause of death, shedding light on any underlying medical condition or injuries that may have contributed to the tragedy. Tragedy. Secondly, an autopsy can reveal any potential misconduct, malpractice, or errors committed by medical professionals involved in the victim's care. It can identify any misdiagnoses, improper treatments, or other medical mistakes that may have led to the untimely death. Finally, an autopsy can serve as an objective and scientific evaluation of the circumstances surrounding the death. It provides an impartial examination by experts who can provide their professional opinions and findings in a court of law. Now, the statute for limitations of a uh, wrongful death claim is generally two years from the date of the decedent's death, so you want to consult promptly with an attorney uh, to ensure compliance with the filing deadline. Failing to file within the specified time may result in loss of the surviving family's right to seek compensation. All right. Now, the next question comes from your website, and a lot of people are checking that out, and uh, they have questions about what they're seeing. And, and the question specifically is about Pennsylvania Act 632-534. And could you please explain that, sir? Sure. So now a couple questions back, we discussed heart-lung. Um, Act 632 and Act 534 benefits are similar. Um, 
in terms of the benefits they provide. Um, if we recall under heart and lung, it was 100% of the salary, but it had to be a temporary injury and it allowed for accrual of vacation, sick time, and retirement. Um, the difference between heart and lung and Act 632-534 is instead of heart and lung, which is specific to a classification of employee, Act 534 and 632 is specific to the employer or the department for instance act 632 applies to employees that work for the department of corrections act 534 applies to employees that work for the department of public welfare um, welfare so and then another difference is is it doesn't have to be a temporary these can be permanent injuries um, the other change is um, and it's easier to contrast which is why i'm going back and forth heart and lung you have to be injured in the performance of duties whereas act 632 or 534 you have to be injured by the act of an inmate or the act of a consumer um, and then one other difference is although you get a hundred percent of your salary under heart and lung you actually get your pay raises whereas under x 632 534 um, your salary although it's a hundred percent it gets locked in as of the date of injury um, so you get a hundred percent but if there's pay raises going forward so Act 632 and 534 apply to specific employers. Uh, so if you work for the Department of Corrections or the Department of Public Welfare and you're injured by the act of an inmate or the act of a consumer, then you would apply. Now, if you also apply for heart and lung, you typically would get heart and lung first until such time as your injury is deemed to be permanent. Once it would be deemed to be permanent, then you would be placed on Act 632-534. Because these are typically Commonwealth employees, um, then there's also a collective bargaining agreement that further defines these benefits. So even though um, you may be entitled to them, you also have to be aware of uh, the collective bargaining agreement and the interplay between those benefits um, and whether or not you can be returned to light duty. Uh, but, but that is something also that I do specialize in. I've handled thousands of those claims over the years, whether it be the workers' comp, the heart and lung, X632, uh, Act 534 claims um, and what people don't realize is that when you do have those claims and if you are collecting benefits there's no reason why you shouldn't have an attorney because it doesn't cost you anything um, there's no fee taken out of those benefits a lot of times the fee is derived from the workers comp so it doesn't even come out of your pocket and even if you are collecting those benefits uh, no fee would attach unless you have to go to court so you really would want to reach out to somebody so that you know what your options are because if you usually have a claim for one of those benefits they're pretty usually severe injuries and you really need to make sure you're setting yourself up and you know what your options are for moving forward all right and how do people get in touch with you if they have further questions they can contact me directly at 570-954-9299. I can receive inquiries through email at Keith at FiguredLaw.com. And, uh, of course, you can get more information through my website at FiguredLaw.com. All right. And, folks, we're, we're heading back to school already. And so if you have questions related to students, if you have questions related to anything, as long as it comes under the category, do I have a case, just send it to me, Frank Andrews at WILKNewsRadio.com. Again, that's Frank Andrews at WILKNewsRadio.com. And, Keith, you have a good weekend. You as well, Frank, and you as well, Rob. And uh, always uh, a pleasure. All right, folks, let's get back to Rob.